I definitely wouldn't hire somebody in this role, you know, not really ready to, to run just as fast as everybody else. Welcome to the House Flipping HQ podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of wholesaling and house flipping businesses. The systems and automation that we discuss will help you build a real business instead of another job for yourself. From beginners to those doing hundreds of houses a year, we go deep into the details and strategies that are working today. And now your host, Bill Allen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the House Living HQ podcast. This is Bill Allen, and uh, today I have a special treat for you. So I've got my uh, operations manager now, uh, slash transaction coordinator, slash kind of catch-all person. Uh, she's been incredible inside of Blackjack since she's uh, come on board. Uh, and we'll talk about like how she found us, what it, you know, why she came on board, all this stuff. But uh, it's an honor to be here with you, Ashley. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm good. All right. So... I, you guys probably know if you've been listening to the podcast for a while that if this is your first one, go back a few episodes and you'll hear kind of my staff. Uh, so I run a real estate investment company called Blackjack Real Estate. I've been uh, running that for the past five years or so and have kind of scaled up from doing one deal a year to doing a couple hundred deals. We do almost 200 deals the past few years, uh, a couple million dollars in gross profit. And it's all been kind of the help of some of the staff that I've had and people that I've hired that have helped me get there. And what I've been doing in the past kind of series that I've set up is interviewing some of my management staff for the company. Um, I remember hearing interviews of people and hiring somebody and you know, bringing on an assistant and stuff like that. And it was just amazing to me uh, five, six years ago when I thought I would never have anybody on my team. I'd never hire anybody. This is going to be a one-man show forever. And I just want to keep it all. And now having a staff of anywhere from 12 to 15 people over the past few years, it's just really fun to... Uh, work with the different people to see their success, to see them grow inside of my company, something that I created. It's really been kind of the best part of what I've done and what we do. So this is uh, this is our fifth episode of uh, my management staff. So we had my COO on, our sales manager, lead manager, just did an episode with our marketing man, chief marketing officer and her husband, the data analytics guy, Joe. And now we brought on Ashley, who's our operations manager. So um, Ashley, why don't you start with just kind of telling us a little bit about yourself, maybe some of your background and um, where you were kind of before you came into the company? Um, sure. I, um, I'm born and raised in South Florida, so I lived there for most of my life, and I, um, I was doing promotions down there for quite some time, um, executing some pretty big campaigns in Miami, and um, that's um, all a past life now. Um, I, what was uh, it like, was it like alcohol or something? Weren't you doing some like, uh, uh, liquor yeah, promotions or something? Yeah, pretty much. It was, uh, Pernod Ricard's portfolio. So Shiva's Jameson, absolute. Stuff cool. Like that. Pretty big portfolio though. <laughs> okay. And, um, so I, my husband was living in Tennessee. He's in the army. So we, we were living apart and he was deployed and um, unfortunately, um, he was rushed back home and fighting for his life here in Tennessee. And I was basically living here a day later. So um, I was starting over, uh, saw the ad for hanging bandit signs. And that's how I found Blackjack. <laughs> okay, so we had an ad up on uh, Craigslist, I think, right? At the time, we were looking for somebody to hang bandit signs for us. Yeah. Uh, in our, it's, this is when we were expanding to this new market. We in were considering, yeah, considering coming into Nashville and we decided that Nashville was a little bit too competitive. So this is Nate had just come on. I, this is the, one of the first things that I gave Nate, my COO, to do. I said, go. He said, I want to do uh, signs and try it out up in like Clarksville. Uh, Tennessee, which is north of here. It's where the army base is. And um, we had we set up a system, automated it and everything and put up an ad for somebody and you answered, right? Yes. Okay. So you came in and started hanging bandit signs. Like what was that job like? What, what did we ask you to do? How much were you paying you? Do you remember all that stuff? I do. Um, it was 50 cents a sign. And um, it was tracked on a really cool app. Um, I'm not sure what the name of the app is, but um, basically I started at 
5 p.m. on Friday, and I drove everywhere in Clarksville, and I put a sign down, took a picture of it, and um, just did about 200 every Friday night, and um, uploaded all the pictures into this app, and it showed a map to where you could see where all of your signs are, or so Nate could see what I did. <laughs> And so Nate would wake up in the morning and, and just pay you um, yeah. on like PayPal or something, or how did that work? Oh gosh, was it, I think it was direct deposit in okay. my account. Okay, so the app, is, the, app, the app that we used is called Simple Crew. So if you're on there, it's got a kind of geolocator that will tag um, where the sign is. So you take the picture, it attaches to your phone that has a GPS and it can show where the sign is. So if you hang 200, so how'd you get the signs? Um, I went to, uh, Nate had him in a storage unit. So I went to a storage unit, picked him up. <laughs> okay. So Nate ships, uh, the signs to a storage unit, puts them in a storage unit. You get a key. Did you have to talk to somebody to get into the storage unit or something? No, I just drove right up. I had the, I had the key. Okay. So he gave you the key to the storage unit and everything. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, answer to sign uh, or you're hanging signs for us. And was that every weekend you would just go out yeah, every weekend? It was every, every Friday. And from 5 PM to what time? What time did you get, get done? Well, I actually like to, he said start at five, but I actually started starting later because there's too much traffic around five and everybody's in my way. So, <laughs> so I started to start later and just end kind of, you know, later, like 3am, 4am. So I kind of shifted it a little bit. Okay. So you left South Florida, moved up to Clarksville to take care of your husband and be with your family, right? Yeah. And was he helping you? Um, he, he helped me twice and, um, he did a half a time once. And then the other time I was like, thanks for your help, but I'm good. <laughs> and, and you have a daughter too. Yeah. She's 11. 11. Okay. So you, uh, why, why did you do this? Like, why did you answer our ad? Why did you start hanging signs for 50 cents? Um, because uh, I'm a hustler and... <laughs> I will do whatever I, I, I wanted to work. And this, like to say I could work Friday night um, and, and bang something out and have a really a solid, you know, chunk of money in one night. And, um, you know, it was very physically taxing and the hours were, were weird. But to me, it was a huge blessing. I was like, this is amazing. I could be available all week, help my daughter adjust to Tennessee, um, figure out, you know, her life here and, and be home for him. And um, it was, it was amazing to me. I was like, yes, this is perfect. And, you know, it was all right. right away. <laughs> Well, so we saw, obviously saw something in you, right? So you yeah. kind of took ownership of this. We're giving you the key to a storage unit, a bunch of signs in there, like obviously materials that we had paid for. Um, and you started doing it an awesome job. Like it's just you, there was attention to detail. You obviously cared about what you were doing. You weren't just like throwing the signs down anywhere. Um, we were getting calls, good and bad calls, by the way. I don't do a lot of bandit signs. It's just not my, um, it's not my favorite thing. Uh, I really kind of like, um, we get enough kind of negative hate calls from the direct mail that we do and online advertising and stuff that these things are just kind of tough for me. Um, so we, how long did you do that? How long did you hang bandit signs for? It was a couple months, not, not too, too long. But okay. So like seven or eight trips on a Friday night, um, yeah. till three or four in the morning. And then what happened? Like what after that? Um, well, I remember Nate, saying, um, he would just be like, man, just, I got to get you doing something else. And he's like, I just, um, I only have to tell you once. I only have to tell you things once. It's so great. And I'm just like, okay, <laughs> to me, that's normal life, you know? And, um, so I started doing, um, I started doing lead intake. So taking some calls and, um, then I started doing follow-ups with the mojo dialer where we're, you know, ringing three, four people at a time and, um, you know, trying to get somebody to pick up somebody that we probably haven't talked to in six months or so. And, um, and then I went into quality assurance. I think we kind of created a seat. Yep. Is that when we did the cultural index or that was no, 
I don't know. <laughs> that's about right. That's what I remember. So you came into uh, quality assurance. So at that time, we we had kind of a gap of some lead intake. Then we want to do some follow up, and then uh, yeah. Nate, Nate reached out to me and said, "Hey, we have a lot of these leads that I think that aren't on follow up sequences. That that um, we 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 don't have anybody looking in at evaluating how our lead intake people or our sales team are doing. So." Um, this is this is a position where somebody can come in and uh, you're 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 detail oriented. So with that we saw. So you're very detailed. Very um, you can get in there. You can kind of see what's going on. You can look at uh, this information and then determine whether it's efficient or not. And so we kind of put you into this position to almost like tattletale on somebody, I guess. But um, just not not in a horrible way. But just know that yeah. hey guys, you you'll get more deals if you you know, follow up and, and execute your tasks and you're reaching out to this. This person hasn't been hurt. We went on an appointment with this person last month and nobody's followed up in the CRM. So we just kind of stuck you in the CRM and you got to work on kind of tagging people and creating tasks for people and following up and doing those kind of yeah. things. And then also working with Nate to say, Hey, I, I really think that we could be better here or where this is, this is one area where, we're lacking and we could, we could do better and maybe hear some ideas and stuff like that. So that's what I remember. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. It didn't last long though. We, I jumped right into transactions coordinator. Yeah. It, I don't know. Yeah. That role sounds so good. Um, but it just, didn't last long. Well, I'll tell you why and why I think it shouldn't last long or even have a spot in anybody's company is because it shouldn't be needed. Like the people should yeah. be doing what they're supposed to be doing. They should be following up. They should be going on appointments. They should be A players doing their job, right? There shouldn't be a bunch of this uh, need for it. I know Nate came from a um, corporate background. So this is very common in the, the corporate world where you've got like an auditor, some quality assurance person. And honestly, if we have the right people doing their job and doing it really well, then, you know, we shouldn't need that. So, um, so we've struggled for a long time with that transaction coordination role. It's, it's been a lot of, I, I mean, I've heard people say, that's not even, you don't even need that in, in a company at all. And it's just because, I mean, if you think about it, they're probably right. Like, what does a title company do? Shouldn't the title company be contacting the seller and contacting the buyer and, and organizing everything and making sure everything's, and if there's ever an issue that they are contacting both parties and working through it. And I mean, that's really what they get paid for. So the problem in real estate is usually you have a real estate agent on each side. And normally the real estate agent is the one who is the transaction coordinator. You just don't see it. And when we go direct to seller, we're the buyer, they're the seller, and there's no real estate agents involved. So if you're the owner of the company, the title company is usually calling you to say, hey, what are you doing? So the transaction coordinator is basically a liaison between the title company, the buyer, and the seller. In our case, the sellers aren't represented. They need some help. They just, if there's a question or find a document or something, you guys go through all of these things for them. And what we found is we, we just need somebody who can look at see the big picture because when we have 10 or 20 transactions going on, um, you've got to, so we talk about extreme ownership, right? We, we've talked about Jocko on the podcast a few times. I absolutely love that book. It's fantastic. If you haven't read it, go pick up a copy of extreme ownership by Jocko Willink. He's coming to our event and flip hacking live uh, and speaking to, because we run our company around that book basically. And there's a chapter in there called prioritize and execute. And what that's a, one of the big areas that I think we've been lacking for a long time is prioritizing these tasks that we need in the transaction coordination role and, and knowing don't do something that doesn't need to be done for two weeks when the, the thing that needs to be done is the transaction that's closing tomorrow. Like I always call it the closest alligator to the boat. We got to take care of the closest alligator to the boat, you know, um, where previous transaction coordinators we've had just haven't been able to see the big picture. They're just going down through like a checklist and not being able to think outside the box. So um, I, I don't, I, I think we've five, six transaction coordinators in my uh, time running this company or so we've had where we've just, we've tried everything from a, a title rep with like seven years of title experience and um, 
and we struggled there. We've had uh, somebody come in where we just trained from the beginning and just had problems with some of the prioritization and things like that. So um, you were the first person to kind of come in and take that seat and just really own it. So we kind of moved you over there and you just kind of took off. So what are some of the things that you do in that position that some, I mean, I named a couple, but what are some of the things you, I mean, you, you're living it day to day. I haven't done the job in four years um, since I hired the first one, but it's always been kind of a thorn in our side for some reason. So um, what are some of the things that you do that you think um, help? <laughs> um, I have a massive spreadsheet that I visit um, a million times a day that Nate created, and I can't imagine this role without it. It allows me to um, adjust the priorities if I need to see, you know, what's, what's the purchase agreement closing date. I can sort them in order by that. I, there's so many things. Sometimes I'm, I'm changing it all around just to, because I'm thinking about different priorities. Um, I have all my notes in there. There's just a ton of information and it's all laid out and it's like this giant map. And that map helps me um, navigate my day. So why do, why do you think you're better than the other people that were running that role? before? Like what, what is it about you that is so special and, and it makes this, makes you so good at it? Um, I don't know. I feel like the, what I know, I, I know what you guys have told me, but everything, this is just all, it's all come naturally to me. So um, it's hard for me to answer that question without just kind of repeating what I've heard from you and what I've heard from Nate and, um, you know, about being able to prioritize. And um, I think, I think you also have to be able to let things go. I know some people, um, you know, oh, this is only going to take me two minutes. So let me get it done real quick. Or this is all. And I mean, that stuff can pile up and you really have to be able to, um, maybe that is prioritizing <laughs> properly, but um, that's something that I had to get comfortable with because I think naturally you're like, oh, you want to get rid of things that um, are only going to take a few minutes. Um, but when you're dealing with so many transactions, all of that can add up. So, um, yeah, prioritizing and also um, I think there's a certain level of customer service that you have to um, really have a love for. Um, these people need to hear from you, both the sellers and the buyers. Um, they need your help. Um, a lot of these people are in um, the positions that they're in because, uh, you know, they, they, they do need somebody to kind of guide them along in this process. And it takes some extra care. It takes some extra customer service. You're not just dealing with paper and contracts and everything. You're dealing with people and every single situation is different. So I know that I really plug in. I've always started with plugging in to that contract and that person and that seller and their whole entire story. And, um, I kind of have each story for each property as I'm moving it along. It's really not just um, about the contract and the dates. Um, so I don't know, maybe that's different too. <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like uh, you know, prioritization and then also this uh, customer service and really caring for people, like understanding their situation. Um, it's almost like a lead intake combined with some uh, admin uh, assistant type stuff, like admin role combined with the, a lot of the stuff that we talked about on the podcast with Val, which is really being compassionate and caring for the people and making sure that you're listening to them because they, sometimes they just want to be heard. Like they get upset that nobody's reached out to them in a, in a while. Um, it's been 30 days. When are we closing? I just don't know what's going on. They're already, they're trying to make big life decisions and all of these things too yeah. and worried about their closing and when is it going to be and how am I going to get my money and all of these things. They already look at us like we're kind of like, we could be a scam, right? We're sending them a card saying we can pay cash, no closing costs, uh, all these things. It'll be easy. And we really want to make sure that's the thing that we forget a lot of times. We say that we want to do all these things for these people, but are we really doing them? Like, are we really making it easy? Like, how do we justify a, if in, in our example, if we're going to do as a wholesaler, how are we going to justify a wholesale fee? Like, what are we bringing to the marketplace? Really understanding what we provide and where the value is. Because remember, the seller is trading that 
uh, that equity that they're giving up for ease and speed of transaction usually. And a, a buyer of a contract of ours is, uh, you know, buying something, uh, giving us a fee for something that they should be just showing up to title, like to the uh, title company or to the attorney's office, signing their name and bringing a cashier's check or a wire. And that's it. We should be able to handle everything else for them. Otherwise, what value are we bringing to the marketplace? So I guess the next place I'd like to go with you is, can you just take them through kind of what our process is in the company? And so like your role. So like, where do you get, uh, what happens? You like, you get handed off a contract and then what do you do? Like, what does that kind of process look like? Then maybe that should describe easily like all the work that you have to do as a transaction coordinator. It won't. It won't. <laughs> <laughs> it, it won't. <laughs> Um, I get a contract from the acquisitions team. Um, I get an email and I, I review the contract, make sure that everything is um, good to go. I send that to the title company and that starts the process of um, title search and everything. Um, there's a number of different things that can happen um, <clears throat> to clear the title. I think that is is what you were just talking about, a lot of the customer service. Um, I, um, we help them clear the title. A lot of times, if they were trying to do this on their own, they would spend a lot of money with the lawyer trying to figure it out. And this is, um, I've done it so many times. I just, you know, it's a very easy phone call to the seller to help them figure out how to sell this property to us. And um, so, I work with the title company, um, figure out how we're gonna close this. We get. Then I get, along the way, I get the contract from um, dispositions from um, the buyer, the buyer's contract. So I send, I review that, I send that to the title company as well. And um, it just sounds so easy. <laughs> and that's it, we close magically. <laughs> Okay. But you know, along that time you're talking to the seller, right? And uh, are, who's coordinating kind of like the inspections and showings and stuff like that. Is that something that um, you do? Chad is, Chad is doing dispositions. He's um, coordinating the showings. Um, I really don't, don't talk to them at all. Um, I talk to the seller more. Um, I'm just letting them know that we're um, working through inspection and as he's um, getting everybody in there and, and working his side of it. Um, and then <clears throat> once we get the buyer's contract, um, then kind of comes the, the coordinating of how quickly we can really close at that point. Is the, is the property vacant? Um, is, do we have tenants in the property? Is there an HOA? Um, you know, how is the, what's the buyer's expectations? You're always managing expectations. So you really, really have to communicate with your, your dispositions guy um, just because they are talking to the sellers. Well, he is talking to the sellers. He's talking to the buyers. So um, I always have to communicate with Chad about the expectations of the buyer. Um, you know, with the stuff that's in the home, the people that are in the home, what's going on, and that, and how quickly I can get this thing to close based off of all of these expectations that everybody has. Um, also, you know, the money, are they getting a loan? Are they purchasing cash? Um, how are they gonna sign? Do they need a mobile notary? There's um, a lot of boxes that you have to check off um, and then get everybody to sign the document. Yeah. And then, I mean, this whole time you're talking to the title company about um, timing and all that stuff and trying to coordinate all of that. And then also uh, earnest money deposits. So when the buyer yeah. sends in their, their non-refundable deposit, you know, has it been received? What does it look like? It's obviously signing the contract, doing the paperwork, sending, sending that over to the title company, make sure they have everything in order. They've received the EMD, they confirm it with you and then uh, going to closing and then making sure that we get a signed HUD um, the wire comes through, right? All of that yeah. stuff is, uh, uh, happens and you make sure of it. So I don't know if you guys heard, but uh, Ashley kept saying, uh, at closing as fast as I can at closing as fast as possible. How quickly can I get this transaction closed now that I have everything in that is hands down as a wholesaling operation and a flipping operation for us. That's the most important thing is 
how quickly can we get this closed and get it done and get it off the book so we can move on to the next one? A lot of times what this happens is we just stack and stack and stack up properties. Sometimes things get pushed. We need extensions. Um, if we don't close in time and our contract's going to run out, then the transaction coordinator needs to get an extension signed by the seller. Um, and we need to talk, have that discussion with them and what's going on and things like that. So making sure that the paperwork's in order is huge for us. I mean, this could be a ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollar mistake in this role uh, for, on the transaction coordination side. I mean, I really feel like this is one of the most important jobs and roles inside of a company like ours, and it just really doesn't get the um, kind of the. You, you, your, your name's not in like the bright letters on the marquee. Uh, it's just, you don't get the love that you need and that you guys deserve because I, I really feel like this, I've done this position and this is one of the hardest positions that there is. You really need to see the big picture. You need to be able to put a puzzle together and you need to be able to do it really fast. And so when people are thinking about this role or is it needed or is it required and what does it look like and what kind of person do I need? Can I just get an $8 an hour person off a of Craigslist or something or can a VA just do it for me? Maybe, but um, I really think that you guys need to think about that. It's, this made my life um, very difficult for a couple of years because I felt like I was always having to make the decisions. I was always having to be involved in every transaction. I could never really remove myself just because we didn't have the right people in the seat. Um, so, and now we do. So it's, it's really, you, I agree. Like I, I take the contract. I send it to the title company. It's almost like the office space thing. It's like, what would you say you do here? But what we didn't talk about is the escrow holdbacks and the tenants staying in place and the rent backs and all of the tricky things. Like, did you have any experience doing any of this stuff when you came into this position? Like, do you, do you work at a title company before? Did you own a title no, company? I had no experience in real estate at all. Um, I, the position that I'm in now, I wouldn't have applied for. Um, I definitely, uh, worked, worked my way up into learning, um, all the different steps. Um, you were saying something before and I was just thinking, man, um, I've used this analogy before about, um, you know, the relay race and you have, um, you know, the acquisitions team is out there. The marketing team is out there getting these solid leads in and, and the A team is getting these contracts in. So they're running this, um, they're running this race and they're passing this baton off. And why, why would you then pass the baton to somebody that's jogging? or that doesn't really have, um, you know, the same intimacy with the company um, that, you know, every, the marketing team has. And, and you have to just, you have to make sure that, that all the people that you're hiring that are, um, you know, holding this baton during this relay race, um, that they are, are invested, just as invested in the company as um, everybody else. So I definitely wouldn't hire somebody in this role that is, um, you know, not really ready to, to run just as fast as everybody else. Yeah. I love that. I really think that it's, it's important when you have, and you, you, you said the A team. So that's what we call our acquisitions team. Um, so the A team, uh, I don't know why, but it, uh, we don't have a B team, do we? We don't have a B team though. Right. So, um, it's all a players, like really in your company, that's the most important thing, right? Like it, you, if you bring in somebody, so in Ashley's example, if that acquisitions rep was just a rock star and handed it off to a transaction coordinator that wasn't, that was having trouble, that wasn't getting their deals closed, do you think that they're going to be very happy at that company? Like you've got to have that person who takes ownership of it. I mean, we talk about, we, I don't know how many times we could say ownership on this podcast, probably not enough, but you really got to, like, you, I, if you, if you've been listening to this series of like kind of the people that I brought on from my company, you're, you're hearing the same thing over and over. It's the people who are invested, they treat the company almost like it's their own. It's really amazing to see. And that's the reason why I wanted to bring them on. I wanted you guys to hear kind of that from them. This is not coaching from me. We're not, we didn't talk about this ahead of time. You really kind of see that they are taking ownership of this company just like I would and like I did. And in fact, some, some of them, and actually all of them, are taking more in their position than I ever could, you know, holding five different seats myself. There's, I mean, I was giving 100% of my workload that I possibly could, but each seat was getting like 10 or 20% of it. So now you see what 
what, what this should look like when I sit around a room and Ashley's talking about some stuff that I don't even know what she's talking about. Like she just is, has grown into this role and um, been able to kind of elevate herself to a point where she's become, you know, invaluable to, to what we do. So it's really amazing to see that and, and to see, and I'm sure you guys hear it. If you've been listening to this, you can hear it. It's an echoing theme throughout each person that I brought on and uh, you come to Flip Hacking Live, you'll see them all in person, you'll meet them and stuff like that. But it's really amazing to, to come on and, and hear them say it from their own words and, and how they feel. It's, it's just, it's obvious in what we do. Like we're all rock stars in what we do in our positions and we know it. And we, we just, it's, it's, it's incredible to hear. So you, uh, took on this transaction coordinator role and that was next. And then, um, was that, was that all you were doing? How, um, was there any like ancillary tasks that you were doing at that time? Or was it just like, get these things closed and, um, and be the transaction coordinator? Yeah, it was pretty much, um, transactions coordinator. Um, I, and then as I moved into the operations manager position, um, we brought on, a transactions coordinator and um, I've been training her and learning from Nate um, a lot of different uh, you know pieces of, of the blackjack world um, so I can relieve some things off of his plate so he can um, go do what he needs to do and, and move where he needs to move so that's that's where I'm at right now. I'm still okay. pretty much in the thick of it for transactions. So we're, we're just so busy. So when it was just you, how many transactions were you pushing through per month? Like, uh, like over the last kind of like, I don't know, you've been maybe like the last six months or something before Robin came in. Um, yeah, how many I were we doing? Say about 20. Okay. So like 20 deals a month, um, that would come through that you were closing. And then, um, we've seen it seen kind of like an uptick now. So what happened was, um, you guys probably heard it three months ago, we had this kind of, uh, transition in the company. We had some people, uh, leave, they just quit. Um, like kind of all at once we had like three people just kind of go, ah, I'm, I'm out of here. It was right after our quarterly meeting effectively. Um, and we had to figure out what to do and everybody just kind of jumped in. I think that we talked about this on, on one of the podcasts that I've done recently where everybody just kind of like cross-trained, jumped in and said, we got this, we'll, we'll figure it out while Nate went out and just kind of looked for talent, right? Look for somebody to replace um, the people that left. And during that time, we all took on more work. We had to do more, more things ourselves. And when we put, we, we got these new people up and running, they were the right people in the right seats at the right time. And it was just kind of, we, we mentioned rocket fuel recently, but it's kind of like that. It was kind of like rocket fuel, right? They just kind of took off. And now what we're seeing is we're, we, we went, oh no, we're having, we brought in the marketing department in-house. So we brought the marketing, uh, Heather and Joe, which you guys heard on the last podcast, we brought them in-house. And then what we did was um, we hired some other um, sales reps in Nashville and Pensacola. And then, um, Josh, our sales rep in Chattanooga was hitting his stride. And so it all kind of like hit head at the same time. And we started doing more contracts. So then we said, okay, we need another, we need, Ashley needs help. She's drowning over here. Um, and kind of redlining to the point where she's going to need some support. And then we also had, um, the lead intake team was needed some support too. We only had two people answering the phones and we knew we needed three. And we wanted Val, who you heard on one of the podcasts, to kind of delegate and elevate herself too. So we saw these managers just kind of pop up, right? Like Ashley was hanging bandit signs and then she was doing a little bit more and a little bit more. And she just kind of rose to the top, right? The, the cream rises to the top. So that happened. We knew that we needed more for Val and we knew we needed more for Chad. So getting Chad out of the sales role in Nashville was very tough, like going into houses and buying houses. I, we didn't think that anybody could do as well as he could. And, you know, bringing in somebody else and seeing that somebody else uh, now, our rep there, she's doing a great job. It's incredible to see. I just check my email and it's like new contract in Nashville, new contract in Nashville. So, so we decided we brought in, we need to get you some help. So what did that process look like to bring in um, somebody else to help you? Did you post the ad? Did Nate post the ad? Did you do the interviews? How did that work? I'm not actually um, not sure. Nate posted an ad and they were taking in that ad. It said, um, you know, don't, 
don't bother doing anything unless you're going to take this cultural index test. Um, and he wasn't even looking at their resumes. He just looked at their cultural index um, chart. And um, we already had it charted out of what a good transactions coordinator uh, would look like. So he just went and looked at all their charts and he sent them to me with their resumes. So I went, I went through their resumes and, um, you know, did some, I did some hiring and he, he definitely let me run with it. I was, I love that too about you guys is that, um, I think when you find the right people, you don't micromanage. So I love that you know, you, you've trusted me do, doing different things. Um, and uh, so I just called a bunch of people. I did phone interviews and then um, I did a, like a secondary kind of call and then scheduled three people for Nate. And I said, here's my, my top three. And um, he wound up hiring Robin on the spot. He's apologized to me so many times. I'm like, no, Robin was my number one. So he, he had an interview with her at a coffee shop, just like he did with me. And, um, yeah, he saw what I saw in her and just wouldn't let her go. Awesome. Okay. So, so I, there's a couple of things I want to pull out of there. Not micromanaging your people, right? You got the right people. Yeah. You don't need to micromanage them. Let them take ownership. Let you, you know, Hey, this is the person that I want to hire. And swim. <laughs> yeah. And we heard the same thing on Val's podcast. We, we had um, Val, our, our lead manager, she took her sweet time uh, interviewing and hiring somebody when if it was up to me, I'd just be like, just put somebody in there, get somebody on the phones. I need to answer the phones. So um, same thing here. It's, you know, you guys are going to be working with them. You're going to be the people that uh, are training them, are spending time with them. And you know what you need. Like, you know, better than I know. I, I honestly, I didn't even know how it went. So, um, I assume that I, I didn't interview Robin and I didn't interview Kaylin. I didn't interview a, a lot of people now. Like Nate is running the show. Um, it's you guys running the show as the team, stuff like that. Like I'm going to weigh in on, you know, do, do we need to hire somebody else? Do we need, like, what can we pay them? What does the company look like? What is the, uh, what do the margins look like? Things like that. Like that's the big picture stuff that I need to be working on. And allowing you guys to pick up and kind of run with that stuff is just so impressive because you, you don't really feel like a manager if somebody's going to tell you who to hire and who to train and who to bring in and what to do and how are you doing it? And, oh, oh, you need to report to me on how they're doing. It's, that's not a manager. That's just somebody who's an extension of you. So it's really nice to see you guys come in and take ownership. And I think, I don't want to speak for you, but I think some of that comes back to you where you feel like a lot of that, where that ownership comes from of what you guys feel and what you guys are doing inside the company is coming from because you're actually feeling like you're a part of something, you mm -hmm. know, you're, you're, you're actually responsible for that as opposed to just being told what to do all the time. Like you don't want that. So, um, okay. So now Robin is running, does she do all the transactions and you do nothing now or what, what do you do now? No, um, we're closing over 30 contracts in August. So um, we are, she's been here for a few months now and she has been amazing. She's, same thing, I don't have to tell her twice. Um, she's picking up stuff very quickly. She is great on the phone. She's great with the buyers, great with the sellers. So I'm just um, handing her off. Um, some things. And right now I would say we're a team, the two of us, she couldn't do it alone and I wouldn't be able to do it alone right now. Awesome. So yeah, I've seen uh, the, I don't know. It's just, there's something about what we have going on right now inside the company. It's really amazing. Everybody that's in each seat is really um, understands their position. They kind of have their blinders on where they're just running super fast. Like you talked about in the relay race and we don't really have anybody who's like weighing us down, you know, yeah. it's, it's really, uh, and in order to close like this kind of volume and do this, like, do the things that we want to do and where we want to go and the future, I feel like we've finally taken the time to take a step back and build that foundation properly where we can really grow on that foundation. And I know at the last quarterly meeting, everybody says, 
we would need to go into more markets. We need to do more things. We want to grow and grow and grow. And I kind of pumped the brakes on that because I said, look, we, we really have to make sure that our foundation is strong. We lost some people at the last quarterly, after the last quarterly meeting. I don't want to leave this meeting and find out the three people are going to quit again. Um, I want to make sure that we're all in and, and we're good. And I really feel like we're at a place right now that we've never been before. And I'm really proud of you and everybody else that I brought on here. I think it's, it's just amazing to see what's possible. And keep in mind, guys, this is somebody who came in hanging bandit signs for eight weeks on a Friday night from whatever, 7 p.m. to 4 a.m. And um, not even letting her husband come with her because he wasn't doing it right, it sounds like. So <laughs> he had his ideas. I had my ideas. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I really think it's, it's important to know that you never know where somebody's going to come from. And when you see somebody who's talented, you got to make sure that you pour into them. Um, you see somebody that wants to do more, can grow inside your company. Um, you know, even if it's from a different industry or a different place, you have no idea where these people are going to come from, like where somebody's going to come along and um, where are you going to find them? I mean, it could be a Craigslist ad for Hanging Bandit Signs for 50 cents. It could be, um, you know, another, uh, we talked to Heather on the marketing company. She was running another, um, like, you know, digital marketing for a whole different industry. Um, Chad was, you know, selling copiers. You got all kinds of stuff that's, um, you know, you never know where these great people are going to come from. So don't limit yourself to uh, what you think somebody should look like, what they should act like, you know, um, what their resume is, things like that. Like, I, I I don't know that I ever looked at your resume. Uh, it's just kind of like you proved yourself. I, I don't need a strong resume to hang bandit signs on Friday night. So, but you, you, were, you were in a totally different industry doing something at a very high level and something had to change for you. And you got to the point where hopefully now you're at a place where you really enjoy what you're doing and, um, and you're at a place where you see growth and you don't see a ceiling above you, which is the most important thing for me, for my people, is that they don't feel like they've hit this kind of, upward limit. There's a place for them to go. And in a small company like ours, it's really easy to have that. So if you guys are small and it's just you or it's you and one other person, you really, as a leader and the owner of that company, you can really like shape that trajectory for your people. You can bring somebody in that has the ability to move up to a really high level inside of your organization. If you do want to get bigger, you know, don't, don't cap your people because they don't want to be capped. The, nothing worse that you can do for your people than to put a ceiling on them and say that this is as high as you're ever going to go. Those people aren't going to work for you. They're not going to, they're not going to dream big. Like uh, personal professional development is huge for us. So I want, I want these guys to dream big. So, so why do you, um, I, I don't know, like, what do you like about the job? What, um, what keeps you coming back every day? What keeps you so happy and motivated and stuff? And um, like, what can help everybody else? I, well, I do love puzzles, actually. <laughs> so I think that might have something to do with it. I, um, I've actually done really difficult puzzles my whole life growing up. And um, this is like a puzzle and you're kind of shifting around these pieces. Um, I've just, I've always loved customer service and, um, you know, being that person that somebody is coming to with a problem and I'm like, I have your solution. Um, I really enjoy that, that part of the job. Um, you know, when, when I'm like, no, 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 don't hire a lawyer. We just have to, you know, X, Y, Z, it's, you know, and, and they're so thankful and there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of fulfillment in this job. Um, especially when, um, we've solved a lot of problems for um, these sellers. And um, it's so great to see the buyers on, on the other side, you know, getting these, these homes these, in these great areas and um, being able to, you know, fix up these homes. And, and we just, it just keeps happening day after day. So I love that. Before I forget, I wanted to say, you mentioned ex extreme ownership. Um, I would say get it on audio because he reads it to you. And, um, I love it. I love yeah, that. It's incredibly motivating for sure. Like with uh, Jocko and Leaf reading the book and, yes. and sharing the battle of Ramadi and all the things it's, it, you, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I tell a lot job. of people. Oh, it's so good. What, what I do uh, myself is I, I'll buy books on Audible 
and I'll listen to them. And then if I really love them and I need them and I want them in my library, then I'll buy them uh, in the hard copy because I like to sit down sometimes and just highlight stuff. I'm a, I'm definitely a visual learner and I need to write write things down. So um, I don't remember it when I re- when I listen to it usually, but I'll listen to it on two times speed. And then if I want to buy it, I'll buy it. So I have uh, a copy right over here in the bookshelf. Um, and if you look on my bookshelf, it's probably the books that I would recommend anybody read. And that's it. Like don't all the books in my audible library. If it wasn't good, I either listen to, I usually listen to it all, but if I don't buy it on a hard copy, um, it, for me, it's, I'm, I'm now I didn't make the cut. I'm not reading it again. I'm not recommending it to somebody else. So, uh, I don't know, maybe I need to snap a picture of that and send it out. Um, the, okay. So we heard where you are now, I mean, 30 plus transactions is really amazing, even from a two person team. Um, it's, it's not easy. And these are not easy transactions. These are like the uh, realtor transactions that are a qualified buyer and a good, uh, a property that's in good condition. These are usually just uh, big title issues, all these things. And I think that's where a lot of the complexity comes. You take 30, let's call it 35 houses and or, uh, transactions that you're, you run through uh, this month and go ahead and slap three problems on all of them. Um, you got over a hundred problems that you're dealing with yeah. on a regular basis. So it's, it's not easy. And, and the responsiveness of sellers a lot of times is not perfect and you got to track people down. I mean, we've had to drive to somebody's house to look for a deed before. Um, and it was a hoarder house. It was disgusting. So there's a lot of things that can happen here, um, on trying to get these things closed. And we put a lot of weight on you guys. So, um, it's really nice to see you guys kind of take, uh, um, take it to the next level. And I, honestly, I haven't had to get involved in a transaction in a while. The wires just kind of show up now. Whereas before it was, Hey, are we, are we closing on that? What's happening? I don't have an update and where we need the money. I need the money because I'm buying another house tomorrow. If this money doesn't come in, I'm going to have to personally wire money over to the company to close on the house tomorrow. And uh, we have a cushion on the bank account. Now I sleep better at night knowing that you're at the helm. Um, so thank you for that. Um, I also see that you're sharing um, your shirt. You got an OUR shirt on like me. Um, so it's really nice unplanned. to see. What's that? I said that was unplanned. Unplanned. Yeah. But I mean, I think we're just kind of constantly representing and, yeah. you know, we took over the, um, the Tennessee um, reps as uh, operation underground railroad rep here in Tennessee. So Ashley, you've done um, a lot of things to kind of help me out with that. And a lot of the things that we're doing and being a supporter and an advocate for operation underground railroad and, you know, all the events that we've put on here in Nashville, you've been there volunteering. It's really been incredible. So I obviously want to thank you for that. Um, It's really nice to, uh, to have support and the whole team has been on board. I mean, it's, it's usually like our, the blackjack team that's running the booth at these events that we put on and raise money and things like that. So thank you for that. Of course. The, uh, where I think, um, you know, they're also last year we raised $150,000 for operation underground railroad at, um, flip packing live. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. And, um, I can't wait to see, uh, what we do this year, um, for the charity too. So, um, you're going to be at flip packing live this year, right? Absolutely. Were you, were you there last year? Okay. So this is the first time. Yeah. All right. So how long have you been working for Blackjack? Uh, I'm not sure. Over a year? It's been over a year, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like two. Two years. Well, okay. Wait, year and a half? Two? Yeah. That's uh, probably right. Okay. Close in between a year or two. We got yeah. it. So ask me anything uh, about all the contracts we have. I can tell you. I know I put you on the spot <laughs> with that. I have no idea either. And it's like, there's a, a um, there's a guy named Brian Buffini who says, uh, um, uh, the days are long and the years are short, which is like one of my favorite quotes. And I don't know if it's his quote or if he stole it from somebody else, but, um, I absolutely love it because it's right. I feel like, you know, it could, it could be five years and I would have said, yeah, you're probably right. Um, just because we, you know, it seems like every day we're just kind of like going and running and running and running. But we look back, like the years just pass by sometimes and the days seem so long. So um, just keep that in mind. We never really look back on things. I know I did a podcast on gratitude recently. And the biggest thing for me is to really look back on what we've accomplished. I mean, when I look at your story and um, the last year and a half, let's call it. And yeah, you started- now I've done the math in my head. It's a year and a half. 
so I mean, you started hanging bandit signs a year and a half, two months later, you're, you're making phone calls, uh, probably a month later, two months later, you're doing, um, uh, some mojo dialing. And then very quickly after that, you're moving into the quality assurance role. And then the last year or so doing transaction coordination, which I mean, it's really, uh, and now the operations manager, like you run a department of the company right now as one of the leaders, like you sit in on the quarterly meetings, you sit on the L10 meetings for us and the EOS model. Um, when you talk, everybody listens. It's really incredible to see that transition for you and growth inside of a company that has grown just as fast. And we wouldn't be growing without you. So I want to say thank you to you. And you're the last one for all the team. So I want to thank all the team that's come on here because I think it's been just an incredible journey for me to go along and see your guys' growth. And honestly, that's probably the most important thing for me. That's that's what I get out of this. It's not the the money that we make. It's not all of those things. Like I, I make, I actually make less money now than I did when I was doing this on my own uh, personally. Well, maybe not that much less, but we had a year where it was me, but I was working so hard. I was doing so much. I made a lot more money than I do right now, but, um, I didn't get this. Like I didn't, I didn't feel like we were building something and it was okay. It was like two or three people and I saw their growth and their development and it was really cool. Now we have like 15 people and you guys that have, especially you have come from like hanging bandits. I didn't realize we're paying you 50 cents. I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. Nate should be ashamed of himself. Um, they should have at least have been paying you a buck. Um, and, uh, uh, per sign and not just a dollar for the whole night. So, um, and just seeing that and seeing you kind of grow into what you've been able to accomplish is really incredible. So um, I think you should definitely look back on that and be proud of yourself. And, uh, and same with the whole rest of the staff. Like just, um, I'm always in awe of you guys. Every time we have a quarterly meeting, um, talk about gratitude and, and thankfulness. I just leave there and just, I'm in good hands. And so is this company. So it's really cool to see. And I just want to say thank you. So now what we'll do is, uh, you're going to be a flip hacking live. I'm going to be a flip hacking live. So are the other, um, what five people that I've interviewed and all the five people that I interviewed before that and all the people that I'm going to interview after this. So if you don't have your tickets to flip hacking live, you need to go get them, go to flippackinglive.com, grab a ticket. Um, we'll sell out like, uh, this year, just like we have every other year in the past. Um, but this year is in a, it's still in San Diego, but it's in probably the best location that we could possibly gotten. Downtown San Diego, Hilton Bayfront Resort. It overlooks Coronado. It's right by the gas lamp. You could walk to the gas lamp at all the restaurants. It is unbelievable. I just stayed there for uh, another event and I was checking it out. It's amazing. So I'm really excited to finally have gotten there and to be downtown. And uh, Ashley's going to be there. So if you enjoyed what she had to say today, you want to ask her some more questions, you want to see her on stage, then uh, come to Flip Hacking Live. So let's see, October 10th through the 12th in San Diego, Hilton Bayfront Resort, uh, fliphackinglive.com. Once you buy your ticket, you'll go to a landing page that'll have a discount for the hotel. We've gotten the hotel under 200 bucks a night, which is pretty amazing in San Diego. And you got to stay at the hotel. If you don't stay at the hotel, it's a huge mistake. Um, who knows who you're going to bump into on the elevator? Jocko, Walter, me, Ashley, any of the team, um, all the speakers, all the seven and eight figure members all stay there. All the mastermind members that we have, we do an event before. So if you're not staying there, you're missing out. Major networking opportunities and uh, to get to know some people. So um, Ashley, thanks for coming on. Did you have fun? Absolutely. Thanks all right. Yeah. Is I had a good time and I, I got to learn some stuff. I had no idea that um, Nate was only paying you 50 cents a sign. So uh, yeah, we'll have to, maybe we'll do some. That. So yeah, I bet we'll have to do some retroactive bonus or something. So, all right. Well, we'll uh, maybe we, we'll give a raise to the next person that hangs bandit signs for us. So, um, all right. Well, Hey, I had a good time talking with you and um, I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you soon. And I'll see everybody on the podcast of flip packing live. If you're not going, um, you're going to miss out. Don't let your competitors take all this information back to your market without you. So I uh, hope to see you guys there. Uh, Fliphackinglive.com. See you. Bye, Ashley. Bye. Thank you for listening to the House Flipping HQ podcast with Bill Allen. If you haven't gotten your tickets to Flip Hacking Live to see our guests live on stage sharing all of their systems and secrets, make sure you go to fliphackinglive.com before tickets are sold out. This is an event you can't miss. We'll see you in San Diego.